Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. It's good to, it's really good to see you in this room this morning. And uh, it's good to, Good to welcome people online and listening on Way FM. Uh, my name's Gary. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. Well, if you're our guest, you don't know why are they clapping because he walked out here. It's because I've been on uh, an extended vacation for a couple months, and Linda and I lived in a camper, and uh, we enjoyed our time. But uh, people have said, "So how was the trip?" And you know, our answer is always, "Well, it was good." You know, but uh, contemplated some things and uh, a few things we've learned. Number one. Just continually amazed at God's creation, just every day. And we saw some things we'd never seen before, and we would just look at each other kind of emotional and just go, wow, so that's the Grand Canyon, you know, and uh, those kind of things. Second thing we learned is after 44 years, there's still nobody we would rather do things with than each other. And uh, so spend eight weeks and 250 square feet together, and I still like her. Whether she likes me, you'll have to ask her. I don't know. And the third thing we both really agreed to is like, we love this place. And uh, Jimmy helped me process that about three weeks ago. I was talking to Jimmy and we were on the phone and I said, I'm a little struggling a little bit. I mean, I feel like I should be more, wow, we're doing this. And he said, you have such a blessed life. You don't need a vacation from anything. And I'm like, he was right. We love it here. We love our job, our family. It's just, we are blessed. So, but I missed you. It's not the same, me driving down the road in a motorhome, Linda watching it on the camera, on the phone, and me listening. It's not the same as being here. And uh, we've missed it. So it's good to be back. And uh, it's good to be in this series where we're gonna talk about goodness today. And this made for more. We need that reminder. We can get so caught up in life that we forget that God has a story for us that exceeds any story that we can write for ourselves. So let me pray and then we'll see what the scripture says. God, I thank you. You want so many things for us. You love us. Forgive us when we try to uh, create our lives ourselves. Father, write the story, and we will attempt to walk in what you write and enjoy what you bless us with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've been in Galatians, the fifth chapter. It's where we find that passage on the fruit of the Spirit. So let me read verses 16 to to 26 for you. So I say, so I say, that means obviously he said a bunch of stuff before this. We'll get to it in a minute, and he's wrapping up here. This is the conclusion of some things he's wanted to learn. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're under obligation to those laws of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. 
sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Paul's writing this letter to this church in Galatia, and this is about 18 years after the birth of the church. So this is about A.D. 48. And the church has changed a lot in those 18 years. When the church started on the day of Pentecost, every Christian was Jewish. All of them followed the same rituals. They had the same feast days, the same holidays, and then they became Christians and everybody was the same. But pretty quickly, God began to add a lot of different people that weren't Jewish. And the Jewish Christians really struggled with that. And they were like, but this is how, you know, this is how we did church the first six months or the first seven months. Or the first, this is how we do church and you need to do it like we do. And, and they were just really upset that people didn't become Jewish to be Christians. None of us have ever had that attitude, have we? Something changes. This isn't how we do church. We need to do church like I grew up doing church. We need to do church my way. So Paul's writing them and he's trying to get them to see a bigger picture here. That this is not about, about the, the things that tick us off and the things that upset us. There's a freedom and something that God wants to do in our life. In fact, he goes a couple chapters before chapter 5 and chapter 2. He says, here's what I can tell you from me personally. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he's trying to get them to see that there is this nature that's supposed to be crucified with Christ. And along with it, their religious rituals and all those things that they were wanting everybody to do. He said, that, that's crucified. That's a, a part of that. The church in Colossians, when he wrote to them, they were, uh, the Jewish Christians there were demanding that everybody get circumcised. And, and he used that analogy for them and to show them that it wasn't necessary, but there was something that, that took place. In Colossians, the second chapter, he says, so you're complete. They were saying these people were incomplete. You're complete through your union with Christ, who's the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. That got your attention. But he says, not by a physical procedure, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ and you were baptized. And with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. This is this new life in Christ that Paul's trying to get us to see in Galatians 5. He said that sinful nature does not control us, doesn't have to be part of our lives. That's all done with Jesus. When we're baptized into him, we then have this new life, this power, all these things, this fruit that he wants us to bear. 
And so he starts that part, so I say. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And when you do, all those things he talked about, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So that's what your life will look like when you do that. And this morning, we're going to talk about goodness. Goodness, a word that you have used a lot of times today, good. Sean and I were playing with that this morning, just seeing how many times we could say, hey, hey, good morning, good morning, how are you? Good, good, yeah, yeah, bueno, muy bueno, good, sound good, it's good, very good, coffee's good, coffee's good, donuts good, donuts are good, how's it outside? It's a good day, it's gonna be a good week. We use good all the time. In fact, I looked on the internet, so it must be true, that there are about a million words in the English language, and there's a site that you look at that says, what's the top 3,000 used words in the English language? Good is number 93. Made the top 100. Love is 244. Not enough love in the world. But we use the word good a lot to describe a lot of different things. But that's not the good that he's talking about as the fruit. The root word for this goodness that he talks about in Galatians is agathos. And it means a goodness that originates from God. So it's not about me working to be good by cultural standards or trying to be good by what somebody else thinks is good. It's a, it's a goodness that comes from God, not from what I do. Which leads us to our big idea of the day. Our big idea is we cannot be good apart from God. That bothers us, doesn't it, a little bit? Because we go, well, I know somebody that doesn't know Jesus, and they're a good person. But most of the time, when we use the word good, we're looking at a cultural curve that we all like. Because we, we know there's enough bad people that are worse than us that make us look good. You know? And we're like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. We won't go around saying it, but we like when people go, oh, you're a good guy. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yes, you are. You're, you're a good guy. You're, you're a good person. And the way we use the word in our culture is just not true. There is no goodness. The fruit that comes from walking with the Holy Spirit, from bearing the sinful nature that doesn't come from God, apart from God, but connected to God, there is this amazing power of goodness that we can live in. And so Paul's trying to help them understand that. He, he even tried uh, to explain this by being honest about his own life. Back in Romans, in the seventh chapter, verse 18, he says, I know nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. Without God, nothing good lives in us. And again, that's hard for us to accept because we use that word, well, they're pretty good. No, they're not. You know, none of us are good apart from God. There's sin in our lives. So he's, he's trying to tell them the first step to growing fruit is to understand you can't do it without God. This, all these things that he says, the love, joy, peace, that's all from God, not from us. We can't go, well... I'm really trying to be more patient. I got to work at that. No, just work at being connected to God. Patience is his deal. He's the one that grows that in our lives when we're connected with him. And I think that's why he gives us this description of the evil stuff first. <laughs> just, to, just so we don't get a little arrogant about our goodness. You know, he said, well, here's the sinful nature. And he lists all these things. And, and actually, we could put them in four different groups there's sexual sin and spiritual sin and social sin and there's relational sin. 
And all of us have that nature in us to drift into all of those. And even though we know if we're a Christian, we say, well, that was crucified with Christ. Why does it keep bothering me? If we're honest, it's because we keep resurrecting them. You know, we, we put them away and go, those have been buried with Christ, all the terminology in the Bible, and now walk in step with the Spirit. But instead of staying in step with the Spirit, we go back and dig up one because it's fun. And we dig up one of those sinful natures and we kind of, and then we blame God. Like, I thought you were going to get rid of that. And he's like, if he'd stay in step, we wouldn't have been close to it. I do want to get rid of that. And so he's, there's that nature. So prompts the question in Romans that Paul says, what am I to do with this? He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? And then he gives the answer, thank God. This answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So how do we get there? How do we, how do we get to where daily the sinful nature stays buried and, and we walk and we let God begin to produce these things? Well, the first step is the connection. You know, you hear me talk about baptism a lot because that's a major spiritual event. And that is where our sins are forgiven and that's when the Holy Spirit comes in us. So much so that in Acts 19, Paul goes into this city named Ephesus and he walks into the city and there's some people there that, hey, I'm meeting with these Christ followers. And he said, how's it going with the Holy Spirit? And they said, who? And what's his first question? Who were you baptized into? And they said, well, John's baptism. He goes, that explains it. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And they were, and the Holy Spirit came into them. That's the first step of understanding that I cannot do this on my own. I can't just be good. And he's trying to explain that to those Jewish people. You can't just keep the rules. The rules are out. Jesus is in. It's the Holy Spirit that makes this happen. So he says, Galatians, why he says, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Verse 25, some translations say, stay in step. And that's our role, our part to do. You ever try to go someplace with your kids and they're in a mood? You know? And so they know you want to get someplace, and what are they doing? I don't feel good. I'm tired. My legs hurt. You know? They're just trying to, to let you know, I'm not going to go with you. And we laugh at how childish that is, and we do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. God says, Jesus says, I want you to have life to the fullest. There is no better life than letting me put love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Let me, let me put that in your life. Let me grow that in your life. It'll be the best possible life for you. It'll be the best possible life to honor God. And we go, I don't know. There's this, I like being angry and it feels good, you know? And, and we drag up the sin that he agreed to bury. He says, that's why you gotta stay in step. This is not something new. This has been something going on since the creation of man. I mean, David, a man after God's own heart, he knew this. In Psalm 1, he said, blessed or whatever translation you want, joyful or happy. He said, are happier those who don't hang around the sinful nature. They don't sit with the mockers. They don't stand with the sinners. They don't hang out with people that the, the evil. What do they do? They meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. And then they're like a tree that's planted by living water and their leaf doesn't wither and they bear fruit and everything they do, they do prospers. It's, it's been the necessary ingredient since the beginning of time to stay in step with God. Jesus said the same thing in John 15. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the what? 
You're the branch. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. You stay attached to me and I will feed you and fill you and keep you alive and you can live in this life. But he said, if you don't stay attached, you can't do anything. You're just gonna die in your sinful nature. You're just gonna wither. You gotta stay attached for this fruit to develop from the Holy Spirit. So how do we get there? I want less of me, more God. The more God I get, the more gooder I'll be. Okay, step number one, two steps. Number one is we've got to humble ourselves. Paul was willing to say, I'm I'm a sinful person. We have to be willing to say, and this is hard. Oh, we'll say it, but we won't mean it deep down. I'm not good. I'm not good in my own energy, in my own strength. We have to humble ourselves enough to say, God, without you, I am not good. And we gotta be willing to address those dark areas of our lives that we think nobody knows about. In Psalm 139, it's one of my favorite Psalms. It's only 24 verses, but David has this beautiful prayer. It's a Psalm where he says, you knew me when I was in the womb. It's that Psalm, it's a great Psalm. Listen to the last two verses of it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's exactly what Paul's saying when he says, follow the Holy Spirit. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Step number one is humble ourselves and acknowledge that we cannot be good without God. Step number two is just to cultivate an awareness in two different areas of our lives. And the first one is in our thoughts. Our thoughts are where we resurrect the sinful nature. Our thoughts are where it comes up first. That's where we grab onto it. That's where we hold onto it. Second Corinthians 10, Paul was writing to them and he said, take every thought captive. And we need to get where the moment, the sinful nature, the moment the thoughts, all those, those brackets that he told us, those four different you know, sexual, spiritual, social, emotional, all those sins, when any one of those pops into our head, we gotta learn to, to grab it quickly and say, no, 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 that's buried. Man, I know the grief of digging that up. And Satan will whisper, but you know the fun of digging it up too. Say, yeah, but I know the grief. I don't want to, I don't want to, oh, I'm going to stay in step. I'm going to stay in step. I'm not going to, we've got to be aware of our thought processes and what we do with those. We've got to stop rationalizing. Well, I can't help it. I want to be good. No, you don't. We do things because we want to. And at some point we have to be aware and develop more of an awareness of our thoughts the second thing is to, cavulk, uh, to cultivate an awareness of our words. That's where it shows up. That's where it shows up. The sinful nature, the way we say things, the things we say. This is probably in the last couple of years where we've dropped the ball as Christians. More angry, ugly stuff has come out of Christians' mouths. That's not the goodness of God. That's sinful nature. We say, well, somebody's got to take a stand. Jesus never told us to take a stand. He said, turn a cheek, love your enemy. Never told us to take a stand against anything. Somebody says, well, it's my right. It's, I, I have a right, and I love, we have a country where we have rights, but every, every right our country grants us, God does not. Our Bill of Rights say, I have freedom of speech, and Jesus says, no, you don't. You don't have a right to say everything you want. 
You don't have a right to say anything that jumps your mind. In fact, a few months ago, remember when we talked about Ephesians 4.29? Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know what the next line says? Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. We've got to cultivate an awareness and stop our words before they come out. I think God does more to impact people sometimes by the words we don't say than the words we say. We've just got to learn to stay in step with the spirit. And like when those things, we want to dig up that sinful nature, say, I don't know, would God say that? Would I say that if God was standing here? Does that honor God? Does that bring glory to God? Or does it just make me feel good? And so we just have to daily have this awareness so we don't let Satan sneak in and start resurrecting our sinful nature with our thoughts and with our words. So here's our takeaway for the week. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Those last two verses of Psalm 139. Read the whole chapter. It's a great psalm. But those last two verses, uh, lay your Bible someplace where you don't normally lay it open to that. Or it's not that many words. I should have counted. Read them, write them out on a card and hang that someplace. And every morning this week, let's pray that prayer. Every morning, let's say these words. Read them with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When we pray that prayer humbly, sincerely, we will be more apt to stay in step with the Holy Spirit and leave the sinful nature buried in the grave where it belongs. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your patience. God, be honored by the way we live. Cultivate goodness in us so that people might see you. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.